Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au forward slash media. So the last um, few, uh, I don't know how long it's been going on, but there's been a theme and I've asked different people to minister and I don't tell them what to minister on. They just come and it's interesting then when that happens, the Holy Spirit builds a theme and it wasn't a man designed by me or and we and I've done that before I've gone away sometimes for four weeks and I said hey let's do a series and you cover this you cover that so it's, it's something I have done but recently I've just said hey I want to have you minister and you just seek the Lord and he's been you know really putting a theme together so with that said uh, I'm, I'm gonna continue along and it's not it's not because I felt any pressure this is just what came onto my heart so we're gonna keep looking at this about the Holy Spirit the anointing God's power uh, his presence either different ways to talk about it and call it but think about this if it wasn't for Jesus we wouldn't have the Holy Spirit because he had to become sin die bury and be raised again from the dead and then he had to ascend up on high and then he sent the Holy Spirit to us so without him we would have it, it would be like we wouldn't have it we're here because of him so you have the Holy Spirit because of him and he is here because of Jesus so thank you Lord Jesus so today I want to talk about dwelling places of God dwelling places of God and uh, we're gonna look at some of them uh, mainly three, but we're only going to really spend the most. We, I'm going to spend more time on the last one because I think a lot of us are more familiar with the first two, but I, I don't want to ignore the first two. Okay, so um, the third person, no, the Bible tells us no man has seen God. So if anyone ever comes up to you and says, I saw God, say, well, excuse me, but <laughs> that's not in the Bible. No man has seen God. Uh, so we experience God, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, he, he's amongst us, he's in us, and we experience God, that's how we are touched by him. And, uh, and so he, we haven't seen him, we will see him, okay? So starting off in the Old Testament, and if it's okay to say this, because not that I have any qualifications to think I know what God, God's passions are, like that's pretty big, but I'm gonna just say that if, if I was able to say God has a passion, I would say one of them is that he likes to dwell amongst his people. And I only see that from reading scripture, but I still can't get in. There's none of us that are ever going to get inside his head or, and, you know, be able to figure him out. But Exodus chapter 24 and verse 16, it says, now the glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh, <clears throat> excuse me, on the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. And so that word rested there, that is the Hebrew word shakan. And that means to reside or permanently stay. So when we say that he's in us, when he comes to be in us, he comes to reside and to permanently stay. Okay. And so you've heard probably Shekinah glory. Have you ever heard that? Well, the word Shekinah is not in the Bible, but it came about by Jewish rabbis. And they probably, I don't know what verse they used, but see the glory of the Lord rested. So the glory of the Lord rested 
And that's really possibly where they came up with Shekinah glory. Uh, so Shekinah is a word that they came up with, and it's about the glory of God resting. Okay, so as Christians, we have the glory of God in us. The same glory that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us, and that glory will quicken our mortal bodies. You know, so it's, it's even okay to say, hey, you, got, you have healing. The healing power of God's living on the inside of you. It quickens our mortal bodies. And, and I know the context of that is even about our conduct and how we walk and behave ourselves. But it, it, you know, but it also can quicken our mortal bodies and heal us. So you can have healing working from the inside out. You can have healing working from the outside in. You know, glory to God. It's like he's done a lot for us. But we're going to look at these three dwelling places today. And we're going to spend most of our time on the third one. Okay, so the first one, just, you know, for a review in a sense, we've already mentioned it even in our songs and even the exhortation we heard during praise and worship, but the spirit in us. And, and so that's uh, shikan, which means to reside permanently in us. John chapter 4 and verse 14, it says, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. That, you know, that in itself is saying, you know, uh, when he gets on the inside, Jesus said, nobody can pluck you out of my hand. I'll never leave you or forsake you. Uh, so the water that I give him will become in him, in him, the glory on the inside of us, a spring of water dwelling up to eternal life. That's, we are one of the dwelling places of God if you're a Christian, okay? If you're a born-again Christian, you're one of the dwelling places of God. When you wake up in the morning and look at yourself, do you think, well, ah, hey, I, got a, I got a hair hanging out of my nose. I better get that. I got some hair. You know, us older guys got to better trim the ha hairs on my ears, you know, et cetera. But, are, but do you really think, hey, I'm a dwelling place of God? I'm, I'm like, I'm looking at one of the dwelling places of God when I look at myself in the mirror. And then Jesus, uh, in 2022, John, he says, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. So this is 16 chapters later, and Jesus is getting, you know, ready to go back up to the Father. And this is where the church was born with a small group. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. That's when they became born again. And that's when the scripture that Jesus said, it, it will become, the water that I give will become in him, a spring of water welling up in him. He breathed on them. They were born again and the church was born. Okay. So in the Old Testament, you know, the spirit of God came on people and they were able to do great things with the spirit on them. But there was never anything that happened like this where they had the spirit in them. They, that's only for Christians. That's that's for the church age. Okay. So um, we're going to move on because that's not where we're spending our time. But let's look at the spirit on. So you become a Christian and the spirit comes in you. Now, I wanted to just say this real quickly. Uh, Jesus said, no one can pluck you out of my hand. I'll never leave you or forsake you. But I know I read an article a long time ago. I haven't recently checked to see if it's still true. Uh, but there's more than one article on it that there's people in the insane asylums, psychiatric wards, that they think they committed the unpardonable sin. And for a Christian to think that you did that, it drove them a little bit wacky. 
you know, and it, they, had, they had need of psychiatric care and they, some of them got put into an insane asylum because they thought they lost their salvation. So am I preaching once saved, always saved by what I'm saying? And I'm going to say no, but then if I'm not preaching once saved, always saved, how could anyone lose their salvation? Well, there's only a very small group of people that could ever lose their salvation. In the book of Hebrews, there is like a list the Bible talks about. It talks about a person that knows the Lord, is mature, knows the word, and even operated in the power of God, where they operated in the power of God. And it says about that person, now let, let me back up. We're saved by grace through faith and not by works. So your behavior couldn't save you. So some people think I've been really bad and I've been living like the world and I, I, I probably lost my salvation and I committed an unpardonable sin. That's not what the unpardonable sin is. So if your behavior has been really bad, go to the throne room to get mercy and, and receive mercy, forgiveness, and grace to help you. But this person in Hebrews that is talking about, this is somebody that's mature, knows the word of God, uh, operated in power. In other words, they're not a baby Christian. It's not like a bit, you know, when you're young, did you ever do this with your parents? They tell you to do something, you don't want to do it. And they keep, and you go, I hate you. I never want to see you again. I hate you. Did you ever do, I don't know if I did that. It's been too long. But, well, that's a baby throwing a little fit. Now, Christians sometimes can be babies and throw a fit, and they, something happens and they don't like it, and they go, God, I hate you. But they're not mature. They don't know the word. They don't really know God that well. They've never operated in the power. And they go, I hate you. Then the next day, they, they're fine. You know, that's like a little, you know, fit. But this person is somebody that's mature. This person has operated in the power. They know the word. And then this person, not because of their behavior, they say, I don't want you anymore. I denounce you as Lord. You'll find this in the book of Hebrews. So you're saved by grace through faith. It's what you believe and say. And the only way that someone can lose it is the mature person that knows they made a, an educated decision and they say, I no longer want you. And they denounce him. And I've been a Christian for 43 years. And the whole time, I only know one person that did that. Don't find many of them. Okay. So he's in us to stay and reside permanently. And I trust, and I, I don't have that in my notes, what I just said, but I, I feel as I was ministering in the 830 service and even now, I feel that that was, that the Lord had me say that to help somebody. And so you know that you haven't lost your salvation. And what do you do? Go to the throne room and ask for mercy and trust the Lord. He'll help you. He'll help you with your behavior. You can stop doing some of the things you're doing. And, and, and don't be discouraged. Every time you, you miss it, go to him and get mercy and, and just stay with it. Okay, then let's go and talk about the spirit on us. So somebody, after they receive Jesus and they're born again, in Luke chapter 24 and verse 49, it says, Behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. Notice the other one was in you. Notice this one is upon you. But stay in the city where... Uh, until you are clothed with power from on high. Did you ever put your clothes on from the inside out? I don't think so. <laughs> hey, what do you got on? What kind of clothes? Did you, you look great on the outside. I love the colors, but what you got on the inside? No, we don't do that, do we? So, so this is like a different, like to be clothed. So the spirit in us just bubbles up. 
And when we are born again, we have the fruit of the spirit that gets on the inside of us. And all of those fruits, that helps us with our character and our behavior. But then Jesus is talking about something different here. He's talking about something that comes on us. Power, to be clothed with power. So this happened to me in the basement of a Catholic church in Niles, Ohio, about 43 years ago. Uh, one of the priests went rogue and he became born again and he was filled with the spirit. And then he invited like what they call a Protestant minister. Cause like when, you know, if you understand Catholicism, they're the one and only true. And if you're not that you're, you're protesting, you're a Protestant. Cause I lived, we lived in Italy for nine years. And when the Italians talk to me, they say, oh, to, to say un protestesne, protestesne, I can't say that. I lost my Italian, but they say, you're a Protestant. And I, and I would say, I used to be able to talk Italian better. I would say, I'm not protesting anything. I'm not protesting anything. But they, if, you know, so, so this priest went rogue and he's born again, spirit-filled, and he invited a Protestant pastor in the basement in secret and a group of us were there and he taught on how to be filled with the spirit and speak in other tongues. He taught from the word and I got filled in the basement of a Catholic church and spoke in tongues about 43 years ago. And so you see, I'm, I'm standing here after 43 years of speaking in tongues. Has it made me weird? I trust you don't think I'm weird because some people think, some people think it's of the devil and they think that you get really strange if you do that. And I, I don't think I'm, you think, she lives with me. Do you think I'm strange? <laughs> so I, I highly encourage it and recommend being filled with the spirit and speaking in other tongues. It's wonderful. If you don't, you know, and we have numerous people here, uh, elders and pastors and, and uh, others that we've been with a long time uh, that know how to help you in that. So at the end today, if you want filled with the Holy Spirit, we have somebody that can help you with that. You might say, well, I've tried it before and it didn't work, you know? And all I can tell you is it will work. Don't be discouraged. Don't give up. You know, it's a yielding thing. And so that, that's all I'll say at the moment. Just don't give up on it. It's wonderful. Okay, so Acts chapter one and verse eight, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So we just looked at two different scriptures. There's, these two are upon you. It's being clothed. There's like a clothing, a power clothing that comes on us. So the fruit of the Spirit, that's when you have the Spirit come in you. It empowers you to live Christ-like, but the gifts of the Spirit come on you, and it empowers you to do the works of Jesus, the nine different spiritual gifts, the working of miracles, gifts of healing, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, uh, prophecy, you know, tongues and interpretation, all these nine different gifts. When the spirit of God comes on you, it empowers you to have that. You know, some people, uh, Christians, they're, they're, sometimes they're out and they don't even know they're operating in a spiritual gift. Sometimes it's just so subtle. Okay. So then we'll move on to this because I, I could keep going and I like to go, but let's talk about this third one. This is where I want to spend the time. And that's the spirit amongst us when the spirit is amongst us. So in Psalm 26, eight, we sang about it today. It says, Lord, I love the house where you dwell, the place where your glory resides. So he not only loved the house, but he loved the presence in the house. And you know, this place is, 
the reason is, is because he loved the glory of God. And I know from, we've been in this building about seven years or so, and have wonderful memories. We've had the glory here. The glory's here right now. Sometimes it's different degrees of glory. Sometimes it's real tangible, as they say, you can cut it with a knife. And we've had those cut with a knife times. But the glories, when we meet together, he's always amongst us. So he's in us, he's on us, and he's amongst us. Just sometimes various degrees. Sometimes you don't, it's not as noticeable. But, you know, we ask ourselves the question, do you love his house? Of course, even when you say you're his house, do you love yourself? But then when we get together, do you love being together? And I think the, the house is whether we're in this building or another building, though, it's like when we're together, that's like, that's also a house. We're a house individually. We're a house corporately. Hallelujah. So dwelling places of God, he dwells in us. He dwells on us. And he also dwells amongst us. And that's where we want to spend our time today. So here's a few scriptures. You know that Hebrew word shikon? Here's some scriptures in Exodus 25, 8. It says, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. So you know when I said, do I have even like the qualifications that I think that I would know what a passion of God would be? But, you know, he created all of us, but he likes to be amongst us. So look at the scriptures. There's that scripture. Then Exodus 29, 45, I will dwell among the children of Israel. Then look at Exodus 29, 46. They shall know that I am the Lord their God who brought them up out of Egypt. Notice them as plural, they, but that I may dwell among them, plural. He, he, God likes being with his people. First Kings 6, 13, and I will dwell among the children of Israel. Zechariah 2, 11, prophetic scripture. Many nations shall join to the Lord in that day, and they shall become my people, and I will dwell in your midst. That's talking about us. Many nations. See, God was the God of Israel, but he's prophesying of a day that many nations will have what Israel had. Israel only had God amongst them. But then after the gospel, it went out to the world. And so that's prophetic. And that's talking about people receiving Jesus Christ as Lord around the world. Uh, then Zechariah 8.3, another prophetic scripture, it says, Thus says the Lord, I will return to Zion and dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. Jerusalem shall be called the city of truth, the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. So this is talking about even after. So we know that the Lord is coming back. He's dealing with the church right now. He's not just dealing with the church. He's using the church for his plans and purposes. And that's because Jesus shed his precious blood. He told us to go into the world and preach the gospel and, and make disciples. So he's using us right now. He deals with, with us individually. And there's sometimes we're not very fruitful or productive. So he'll work on us. So we, he wants us to be able to stand on our two feet and get to a place where we know who we are and what we have. And we can go give that to somebody else. It's a simple thing. So that's where we are, but then he's going to take us out of here, and then we're going to have this seven-year tribulation period, and he's going to dwell, deal with Israel, and then later on, he's going to go, the Lord himself is going to go back to Jerusalem. 
So, you know, when you see news media people trying to, like, say things about Israel, and, you know, people uh, that, that have no education, famous people, and they make this little thing about, oh, Israel, they, look what they did, they bombed somebody, they, ex you know, I stay away from there because Israel is still part of God's plans and purposes, you know, and the Bible says to pray for them. So that's a prophetic scripture that will, it's there. Let's move into the New Testament now and get closer to what we want to say today. So uh, there's a place in the New Testament where the manifested glory happens, and it happens to be the church. So even when the first lockdown happened, it became popular, and I heard various people saying it. Things have changed. They change forever. They'll never be the same. And it was in relation to church being online but i could never in my heart agree with that and why is it because as you see as we go through scripture today i did a message way back after somewhere a few weeks after the first lockdown because everyone was talking about what changed so i did a message and went through a list of things that haven't changed i said these are the things that haven't changed because the the word of god when it says it doesn't change if it's in the word it doesn't change so I could never hook up with things have changed permanently and now it's going to be like an online church and we're never going to meet together again because we're going to look at scriptures and you'll see it is definitely the will of God that we come together. Okay. And then I understand in this season right now with people that have the virus and, and so they're staying away because they don't want to spread it. We're in this little uh, weird season, but, but it doesn't mean it's, it's the way it is. It will pass. Okay. All right, so uh, Acts chapter 2 and verse 2, uh, look at this. It says, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound of a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. So this is New Testament, and I want you to notice the first thing is they were in a place, it was a house, and the house got filled first. Interesting. Okay, they were sitting in the house, and then look at verse 4, and then they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Okay, so think about that now. So he's in us, the glory of God's in us. The glory of God comes on us and we're clothed with power. But then even in the New Testament, it's very scriptural to say the glory of God can be amongst us. So we've had the glory of God come in this room. Uh, and, and I'm like for 2022, my heart is, I wanna see continual increase. And so really what I'll be looking at, we'll be looking at today is like hinder, what can hinder that and what can we do to have the, the best, we can be positioned the best for an increase in the glory of God. That's where we're, we want to get to. But I'm just building a scriptural foundation here. So you see how the house was filled and then the people were filled, okay? So it was just happened to be that house. If they were in a different house, the same thing would have happened. So we're not making a big deal out of a building or a certain room in a building, but what we're making a big deal out of is when we assemble, that's what positions, just assembling and being together, it makes it possible for the spirit to be amongst us, the glory of God. So uh, let's look at this. Um, well, I put it this way in my notes. I'll read it because it's a different way to say it. It isn't the building, but it's the people together that cause the house to be filled. Okay. And so that's how I put it on paper. 
And then they were all filled, and each person had an experience together. Everyone was filled, but they had this experience together, okay? So the church was born together. He knows us by name, but he also knows us together. We are a temple when we gather in his name together. So that's the way I put it on paper, okay? Let's just say this together. Say, I love the house of the Lord, the place where his glory dwells. I love the presence of God because that is where his glory dwells. So we all have God in us, but it's just a different manifestation or a different dwelling place when he comes amongst us, okay? So here's something I'm, I'm believing. I'm, so I'm just going to read what I'm believing for 2022, and it's this. When we who are truly saved by faith in the blood of Jesus gather in the name of Jesus and begin to love the presence of God together, so let that, that penetrate, that when we come together, that we begin to love the presence of God together. Because you may have come here today with a lot of different things you're thinking, but like think about coming together and loving the presence of God together. And, that, and I believe that is one thing that will cause the glory to continue to increase. Here's some New Testament scriptures, Acts 14, 27. I'm just still laying this foundation. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, so they come in from out of town somewhere, they get there and they gather the church together. And then 1 Corinthians 11, 18, first of all, when you come together as a church, and then 1 Corinthians 11:20. 20, therefore, when you come together, and look at this, in one place. So be, being gathered together in one place, that's in the New Testament. So I personally really made a lot out of being the house myself, and I will continue. I mean, that's a revelation that every, every Christian needs to know, that they are at the temple, and the Holy Ghost and the glory of God dwells in them. Very important. But we don't want to forget the other thing, that he dwells amongst us, okay? And then 1 Corinthians 14, 23, it says, Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place. So that's just scriptures. I'm just showing you that this isn't my opinion. I'd like to do things with the word. The word does the speaking. And then one last scripture, 1 Timothy 3.15. But if I am delayed, I write so that you may know that you ought to conduct, how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God. So think about that. He's writing to them and how to conduct themselves in the house of God. Well, you have to come together. Like what, what benefit would conduct be if you're not together? So coming together, when we come together, there's, there's a, a conduct. So I'm not going to spend time on that, but that's just like showing scripture. Then one last scripture, then we're going to get into what I wanted to get into today. So Hebrews 10.25, it said, Let us not neglect meeting our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that we are that now that day of his return is drawing near. So this was written about 2,000 years ago. If the day was close back then, how much closer is it now? So coming together uh, is a, a paramount thing. So here's what uh, we want to look at today, and that's simply this, the best way to come together. Okay, and I'm only going to look at two things, the best way, because you can come together for various things. You know, uh, like you can go somewhere 
and have a purpose and various reasons you go somewhere. You know, I, I remember before I was a Christian, I went to places for various motives, purposes and reasons, and it was a lot different than today when I go to a place. And you know that song that Three Dog Night sang, Mama told me not to go, dun, dun, dun. you know, remember that? Uh, some of you are too young to remember that. But I, ma, I called my mother once and said, I'm going to a party. And she's, you know, and we weren't Christians at the time. And she says, you get home right now, you brat. She called us a brat all the time. You get home right now, you brat. And I hung up on her. And I went to the party and I got full of alcohol. I threw, I guess they told me I tore the house up pretty good. I was pretty big and strong back then. They said I ripped the house apart when I was drunk. They, they, I threw up there, but they had to carry me to a car, put me in. Somebody drove me to my house and pushed me out on, my, on the driveway, and my mom came out and got me. And, and I, I didn't remember a whole lot, but, you know, mama told me not to go, but I didn't listen. So there's different reasons why, you know, and why we go places, you know. So here is a good motive and reason to come to church, and that's to come in one accord in unity. Now I want to say this about unity. It's not conformity. It's not uniformity. It's not compliance. It's not relativism. It's not uh, sentimentality. And it's not even like progressive Christianity. You know, that's something that's popped up here recently. And, and you know, progressive Christianity is a form of Christianity. And that simply means, you know, God is love and God accepts everything. And you can just live any way you want and do anything you want. And no matter, even if you don't believe this and, you know, we're, you know, we're just all together and we're just like this big love thing. That's progressive Christianity. But real Christianity, you must be born again. And then God loves everyone the way they are, but he loves us so much that he gets on the inside. And it says the grace of God teaches us to deny ungodliness and live righteous and holy. So, you know, progressive Christianity would never say that. It's like, hey, man, whatever you're into, man, just say we accept you. Just everything goes, you know. Well, no, God accepts everyone the way they are. But when, when they decide to receive him and he gets on the inside, he, we change. Okay, that's real Christianity. So, so when we talk about being in accord and unity, we're not, we're not meant that we don't mean any of those things. So this is about Peter and John. And this unity that we see here, it works out on the streets. So we're going to look at one of the street ventures. And so Acts chapter 3 and verse 2, there was a certain lame person from the mother's womb, carried away, laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. And look at this, who's seen two people, Peter and John, go into the temple. They, this guy asked for alms. And then look at verse 3, or 4. It says, and fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So this is what you would say is a scriptural, this is scriptural unity. Okay, very notable that Peter, when he fixed his eyes on the man, John did the same thing. They wanted the same thing. So when we talk about unity, spiritually speaking, and for the church, it's when a group of people wants, they want the same thing. It wasn't like, you know, John said, oh man, it's your turn, Peter. So you take care of this guy. I'm going to go over across the street, get me an ice cream cone. Hey, I'll get one for you and bring it back so when you're done with this, you can have an ice cream cone too. 
he didn't do that. You know, uh, so Peter, when he looked on that, he knew John was with him in it. That's a whole different thing. So when you come together, you know, what do you want? Do we want the same thing? And then in Acts uh, in 3, 5, it says that he, the man, gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. So the man, he, he saw them as one, even, them. And he gave his attention to them. But I want you to think about Peter and John working together. I mean, if you read the Bible, you know that Peter was the big, tough fisherman. You know, he's the one that pulled out a sword and cut off a soldier's ear. And John was the disciple of love. And now these guys are out on the streets together. Miracles can happen. And they're like in unity. God can do these things when he gets on the inside of us. So this even reminds me of, I traveled uh, for about nine years in a singing group. And I served Kenneth Hagan, who's up with the Lord. His son is still alive in Tulsa, Oklahoma. But we did meeting after meeting, hundreds of meetings that lasted one, two, three. It was just a season back then where people used their vacation time to go to church. And there was always conferences going around. And they can go for one week, two weeks, three weeks. You know, that was, that was just... There, you know, when God pours out the glory on the earth, people's desires change. You know something's going on when people use their holidays to go to, ch to a three-week conference, you know. But you can't make that happen, but God can. And so there's no guilt or condemnation about where we are now. But that's why I'm asking God to pour his glory out on the earth, because I've seen a different day, and I want to see that day again. But all of that said, we, most of the time, we were pleasing to Brother Hagen. But we were in Kansas City, and think about on a, being in, in a bus, and we started off with 22 in a bus. And you know, m musicians, you know, they can be unusual people. I'm one, so I'm allowed to say that. You know, and they, you know, Brother Hagen's son, Pastor Hagen, he would call us prima donnas. You know, because like we just had to go against the grain all the time. That's creative people can be that way. And, and it maybe it's possible because they're creative that they have a tendency to be like that. So we most of the time, please, but think about being in a bus. We eventually got the group trimmed down to 14 people. Uh, they put a guy in as manager. I actually took over his responsibilities, but he trimmed the, the group from 22 to 14 because he had a degree in business uh, at a university in Nashville. And he just with his business skills, he said, we don't need that. We don't, we're spending more money. And he got us down. So it made us get, we had to do a lot more work after we went from 22, but still think about 14 people on a bus living together, doing three week long meetings, traveling from one city to another, did that for nine years. Most of the time when we got in arguments and disagreements and it got real, we, we let go of it. We usually would go to a place and set up we would get there one hour before the book tables opened because we sold books. And we prayed together for one hour concerning that one night meeting. We put a lot of prayer into it. So we would fix things and let go and we would be like in unity and in one accord. But one place we were in Kansas City, we couldn't resolve that. And we were on the stage for a whole week in strife with one another. 
we got back to Tulsa and Brother Hagen called us all together. And, and he really wasn't our supervisor, his son was. You knew when Brother Hagen called you together, what's going on here? And so we got in the room and he said, you were in strife. He could pick things up in the spirit. He said, you were in strife. And, and he said, and I even saw it in the realm of the spirit. He said, I even saw it. He, he had discerning of spirits at time. He said, I saw evil spirits on some of you, and I saw how they were influencing you. And he said, this was the hardest meeting we've ever done. It was very hard for me to minister. Uh, there, were, there may have been people that could have gotten saved that didn't. There may have people that were needed to be healed, and they weren't because you were in strife. He said, you fix it, or the next time it happens, you're fired instantly. And believe me, when Brother Hagen said that, you can guarantee you would be gone. So he left, and we got it right immediately. So what am I saying? Well, you, you got a guy that was known, a man of God like that, that was known all around the world, and he had all kind of people getting saved and healed, but we had a real problem in Kansas City, not a lot of fruit or results. What is, and what does that say? Unity, when the best way to come together is coming in one accord, that you want the same thing. And those little things make a difference. So think about when we're all sitting together and in, in the presence of God together, what a difference it could be if we come in one accord, okay? So um, just to finish this off here, uh, and, and even the practical application of this, like um, when I come, if I'm not speaking, I'm not asking for that because I want something like when I'm behind the pulpit, I want something great so I can go. No, I, I want it for all of us. So if I'm not speaking and I'm sitting there, I'm with the person speaking, I'm 100% with them. I'm not thinking, well, they, I wish they would say it, say it that way. I would have said it this way. Why don't you do this? Why don't, I'm not thinking, I'm like, they brought something from God and I'm going to be with that. And I don't care if they're 20-something years old. We have 20, 20 year olds minister here, and I receive from them the same way I receive from Brother Hagen, a, a world renowned prophet, is the same way I receive from a 20 something year old because it's the Word of God. And that, that makes a difference. Okay, so um, Acts 3 6, Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. Notice he said, Peter took charge now. So it was all them, and now it's Peter. And he said, I do not have, but what I do have, I give. And then in, in the next verse, it says, he took him by the right hand, and he lifted him up. And then, then, so he's like the leader, Peter. He took the lead, but John was still with him. And then in verse 8, it says, so he leaping, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them. So notice now he's with them. Peter took the lead, but now this man that got healed, he's with them, okay? And then you go to verse 11, and it says, now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John. See that? Peter took the lead, but John was with him, and the man was grateful to both of them, okay? People out there, they can be grateful for an entire gathering, local church. Uh, so, so you see how that is? And then um, the people ran together to them, not to Peter, but to them. Okay, and then verse 12, so when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, men of Israel, 
why do you marvel at this or why look so intently at us? Well, Peter's the one that said in the name of Jesus, he's the one that took the guy, but now he's back to us because he knew John was with him. You see that? And then he said, as though by our own power or godliness, we made this man walk. So the unselfishness here that John had was really notable, okay? And in a sense, it was rewarded because John was equally rewarded with gratitude. The, the guy was holding on to both of them. You know, and not, we're not in it for that kind of thing like fame, but just notice the guy was unselfish. It really brought a great atmosphere for the glory of God and things to happen. Okay, so here's, here's, this came to me yesterday, and I just put it on paper. You can judge it, but here's what it came to me. I think we would be surprised at how people see us. It's not until we give them a reason that they would see us divided. Does that make sense? See, people really see the church, you know, in, unless we open our mouth and cause them to see it differently, they would see us united. They would see an assembly where we're all together and we together make the assembly what it is. Does that make sense? So even for your family and your relatives, when we first got saved, my father wasn't coming to church. He did come along rather quickly, but we went to this small Italian Pentecostal church. That's the first church we went to. When we went home and sat at the, the table to eat lunch with my, my father, and he, still, he was the only one that wasn't saved, there's no way we would have said a bad word about a Christian or about our church because that's the best way for the family to, or friends to not come. You want to talk very highly of all Christians, and you want to talk highly of the local church if you want to see people come, because we present it. And, and really, we don't have to say a lot of, it's not that we have to say good things, although we did, but for sure don't say bad things, because it can hinder somebody from getting saved or healed. Does that make sense? Okay, so then, um, where are we? Yeah, let's look at one other thing. Still have a little time. Uh, Acts chapter 4 and verse 21. It says, when, when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people, for all men glorified God for that which was done. So a man that was like 40, over 40 years old got healed. Notable healing. And then these guys, Peter and John, they were in chapter 3, they were like celebrities. They got this guy healed. Now in chapter 4, they're like perpetrators. You know, what a change. So they got in trouble for getting someone healed. And they're, they're like the ones. They're the perps in a sense. Like they got called in. They got reprimanded. And they got warned to stop doing what they were doing. You know, by who? By religious, you know, in a sense, Israel was, they were prisoners to Rome. But their Jewish system was like their political system in one sense, uh, based on the law, etc. So you look over in Acts 23, and it says, being let go, they went to their own company. There it is, like a gathering, their own company. Now, I look up the word company because like, I, I like to read other translations, and I notice most of the translations, they changed the word company, and they made it friends. They went to their friends. And I went and looked in the Greek what that word company is. And you know what I noticed in the Greek? 
that it doesn't have anything about a friend. It's much more serious than going to your friends. It's a gathering. They went to a gathering, okay? So, so that's where they went after this happened. And so the, the, this is just came into my heart here. A company can be described as a group of people who live for God, the plans and purposes of God, who know God's word, who can pray God's word, who knows how to speak God's word and exercise God-given authority. That's a company. We're a company, okay? And this is the place to come when something is going on. Uh, I know in our small groups, our small groups are like a smaller company. And people that were, have been sick or facing things, they go to a small group, they say, this is going on, there's prayer, and they come back with a testimony, I'm healed, this turned around, etc. cetera. Uh, th that kind of thing happens, okay? So then, at, but look at here in Acts chapter four, in verse 24, it says, when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. Now, see, the, this, this, they got persecuted and called in and all that stuff. The, the principal had him come into the office, you know, that kind of thing. But they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, first of all, they magnified God about how great he was. Thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that's in them. That's a great way to start a prayer off. It reminds us of how great God is and how powerful he is. And then they said, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and his Christ, which would be also his people. So it's interesting how they brought this scripture out of the book of Psalms into their situation where they were getting resistance from preaching the gospel and they brought that scripture up. So then, uh, and they further said, for of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou has anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel who were gathered together. All those groups gathered together against the Christ and his anointed and the church of that day. So what do you, what do, you do when that happens? Okay. And, and here's a few thoughts because Christianity was born in slavery, like the Jews were slaves to Rome. So when Christianity was born and Jesus breathed on those guys and then they got filled with the spirit and they got saved, they were prisoners to Rome. They were prisoners to a system that they didn't want anything to do with, okay? But Christianity prospered even though that was the case and many got saved. So what do you do when these things are happening? So I'm gonna just like, like fast forward to what we deal with today, okay? And so I can tell you, like I have two things. I have my personal beliefs and my views, and, and so I, and I, I'm, I'm probably over on a side. Some of you are on that side, like some of you know where I'm at. And I can tell you that some of the things going on makes me really angry. But then, like, what, when these kind of things happen, what did they do? How did they pray? We go to Acts 4 and verse 29. It says, And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness that they may speak thy word. This is what they start praying. And then look, at by stretching forth your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. So that what they asked for wasn't, they didn't say, we want a regime change. 
You know, we want to, Peter didn't pull a sword back out and say, I need to sharpen this thing up. You know, uh, it's time to cut off another ear. Now, I can tell you, I mean, what goes on is a challenge for me. You, you know, but like, but that doesn't mean I should, I have to deal with these things like everyone else does. But when I look at the word, I get my direction from the word. We all need to get our direction from the word. So when we come together, what do we come in here with? I have to decide not to be angry about what's going on. I have to come here in, a, in the right way. Does that make sense? Because this all has to do with the glory of God. So, um, so they, um, they, they asked for signs and wonders. And then after they did that, it says the place where they prayed, it was shaken. They were together and they prayed this and it was shaken. Uh, and, and then it says this, and the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. Now, Benny uh, ministered a few weeks ago, if you remember Benny, and uh, he actually read the scripture and something sparked on the inside. I go, I, got, I, th I thought I need to look at that a little closer because I like verse 33 where it says, and with great power gave the apostles witness and the, res the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them. I like the great grace and the great power and I asked for it. But I thought, well, look, look what preceded that. It's like, so in the 43 years I've been a Christian, I've only heard about one church over in England. It was like, it was like plurality of leadership and everyone lived together. It was like a commune and they had all things in common like this says. But that's the only one I ever heard of and I don't even know if they still exist because this was in a different age and time and in a different culture and it could have been looked upon much differently. But if today, if we get rid of everything and go to a place and live in a commune and have all things in common, you know, it's probably going to say the people in these countries, those people are a cult. There's some like strange people there. Like, look what they did. So we don't try to do what somebody else did in another time period. But what can we pull out of this for where we are now? And here's what I think we could say. Are each one of us willing to give God everything and not hold on to what we have so tight that we're willing to let it all and give it all to God? Because that's where they were. And then great grace was upon them and great power. So we're talking about when we come, you know, together, these are some of the things. Then one last thing, I see the clock there. But think about that and for, for your, when you come here, like, where are you when you come? Like, what's, what's the hottest thing you got going on? You know, and I have to make decisions that I don't let the hottest thing. You, you know, and this is my life. Like, now, I, I've done this. I've gone into Woolies, you know, because somebody came to me after the 830 service, and they said, I work at Kohl's. And, and they said, I don't know if you know this, but you know what it's like to be an employee at Kohl's when people come in, and they, the, the employees there are getting so much persecutions from wearing masks that some of them are getting sick it's making them so stressful because people come in and they see them and they just pick, pick at them for wearing a mask and, and so she said I feel like the Lord has me working there to minister to the employees it's real tough on them and I thought you know 
I could be one of those people because it bugs me when I see that kind of, see, we're all different, so have mercy on me, but I'm just trying to say to you that I know how some of you feel. I don't like to see that kind of compliance and everyone looks like robots out there. It's hard for me, but see, I can't be moved by that because I'm not going to get them saved. So you know what I've done? I've gone up to, I, I, I was at Woolies once and I went up to a, a young lady and I said, that's beautiful lipstick. I love the color of your lipstick. You know, where did you get that? What brand of lipstick? I like to buy some for my wife. She bent over laughing. I made her laugh. And you know, but, but if I followed what I really felt, I would have like, you know, done something different. So I see everything that some of you see, but I have to, I have to think, you know, what, how do I respond? Does that make sense? I got up to another one and say, I said, do you have bad breath? And, and I put, I had my, I did my mask so I could do, I go, oh wait, that's my breath. And so I find ways to get people to laugh, you know, it helps me because like sometimes, you know, it's, I, I don't feel that way all, so I'm telling you, I work on it. But then if you bring it here, see what I'm trying to say? We, we have to get ourselves out of that place. I, I don't want to judge anyone. I want to love everyone. I, you know, and we're, this is a season that we're in right now. Let's all believe it's going to pass. But w while we're in this season, how can we be the most fruitful? Is, is that, does that make sense? So one last thing. It was like come to one accord in unity and then bring something. 1 Corinthians 14, 26. It says, how is it then, brethren? Whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. Now, that was a used church. So think about even if we had everyone say something here, we would be here till Tuesday night or something, three days. So they were huge. They would be there for like years if everyone said something. So how do you apply this? If everyone should come, here's the way that it can be applied. You can come with a lot of baggage. You can bring junk into the temple, into the house, like anger, you know, uh, bitterness, strife. You, there, there's a lot of junk we can bring, or we can come built up. We can come with something. Doesn't mean you're going to give it out. You know, there's only going to be so many people that are going to give something. But what about coming built up? See, so just coming, and I know this is not always what I'm, this might not be easy to receive for all, but think about it. Like, think about like, what's our mission? When they were being persecuted in Acts chapter 4, they went back to the mission. Lord, stretch out thy hand, signs, wonders, and miracles. They didn't use any time to go after the regime. Okay, so believe, and when I say, I've gone to protests and peaceful protests, but I don't let that stay with me. So I can let my voice be heard, but I'm not going to let that dominate me. And let, I'm not going to, you see what I'm trying to say there? So that's just, this is a word for all of us. I felt like I should bring this word because I'm looking for this year, oh, just the presence and the glory of God that we do our mission as a church. I'm going to invite the worship team back up. As they're coming back up, I'll just say this. It's good and right to come together. This is a summary of what I just said today. It's good and right to come together. When we come together, it's good and right to want the same thing. Do we want the same thing? This is something that we can all make decisions on. It is good to come together with something. Be built up. 
let's not bring junk to the house. Let's bring something to the house. It's good to worship with all of our hearts when we worship. And it's good and right to love him in his presence. To love him in his presence. Praise the Lord. So I did go two minutes over. Uh, uh, okay, but I'm going to say this. Um, we have very well-trained people that will be up front. If you don't know Jesus Christ is your Lord and you want the glory of God to come in you, please come up here because we want to pray with you. If you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues, please come up here. We want to pray with you. Or if you need anything else, I, we already prayed for healing, but anything that you would need prayer for, come on up uh, because we want to minister to you in that way. Praise the Lord. If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at brainer.org.au.